Welcome to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Listen and grow as Dell questions the status quo, encourages you to think differently, and empowers you to make a better life. Get ready as Dell challenges core beliefs, seeks the truth, and reveals the roadmap to the lifestyle you really want. And now your host, multi-millionaire, national award-winning investor, CEO and founder of Lifestyles Unlimited, Del Wamsley. Welcome to Del Wamsley Radio Show, where the hype ends and the help begins. I'm your host, Del Wamsley, and as always, we're working on your financial freedom. Today, my friends, is Tell Del Tuesday, and with us here today is a gentleman that joined about 10 years ago. His story is very interesting because... Here on Tell Dell, I try to bring you a variety of individuals, and it's interesting to know that sometimes I'm trying to bring people in that started with almost no money, no you know, personal skills mastered, and so on and so forth, uh, at the beginning of their journey, and yet they find a way to get there and retire at a very quick pace. On the other end, one of the challenges I had way back when I started Lifestyle some 30-some-odd years ago, September 90s or whatever that would be, uh, 33 years ago, was that people that were financially successful as far as working in corporate America uh, had high-paying jobs, a lot of prestige in their jobs. They really didn't relate to my message because I was basically a, a middle management relatively poor. I mean, I wasn't poor, but you know what I mean? I, I didn't have any money. And uh, I wasn't, you know, that successful in the real world. It's just a young lad trying to make his way through. So a lot of people can relate to me from that end. And it was very long time before I got people at the very high echelons to be able to start relating to the program. And Greg's one of those people with us here today, Greg Shockey out of San Antonio area. And uh, he started out or came to Lifestyles from a very, very high paid, very, very high responsibility position of as a senior manager in Shell for some odd 27 years. So, Greg, welcome to the show. Hey, welcome, Dell. It's always a good day to be a retired investor with a lot of passive income. <laughs> You've always got something interesting to say. Let's let's talk, Greg. Let's bring it down. Let's take the theme that I started with there, and let's go back to when you were in corporate America. Uh, I know it's a long time now. You've done a lot of stuff here, and we'll get to how much stuff. I mean, it's twenty or thirty or forty deals. It looks like I've got on this piece of paper here that well, you've about done 40, about forty deals. deals. Okay, so about 40 deals, and uh, we're going to get to that. But I want to start back with, you know, for those sitting out there right now that are in corporate America, they've got that level of success, that who wants to give it up? You know, you're in power position in corporate America. You're making good money. Why did you decide to give it up, and what what stimulated that thought process? Well, I mean, I, I had a good job. I made a lot of money. I traveled a ton. I had worked a ton. I mean, not quite as much as you said in the health club, but... You know, I, I lived in hotels for, you know, sometimes a year at a time. I was retiring. I'd just gotten divorced, so I parted ways with a couple million bucks. And, you know, I sat there and said, hey, I've got a couple million left, but not, not as much as I used to have. What is a good way to recover, and what's a good way to have income streams? I mean, I think people always focus on how much money they have, but most people don't productively deploy that money. 
So I'd say even if you're in a company and you have a really good job, get educated and just be a passive to start out with. You know, you don't have to do much and you can start deploying money and build those income streams. I, I like the stock market, but it's very unpredictable. I, I find real estate to be much more rateable and logical and I can allocate towards it better because when it's good, I think it's going to be good for a period of time. And when it's a little bit tough, it's usually not supremely long lasting and you can kind of see a little bit of that coming. So that's why I like real estate and that's why the largest percentage of my wealth, investable wealth, is deployed in multifamily and single family homes. Now, um, going back to that beginning, what, what attracted you to lifestyles? I didn't really understand houses and apartments other than owning my own house. I actually started with another one of your competitors. The education was great, but they didn't do any transactions. And I wasn't trying to educate myself just to be more educated. I actually wanted money at the end of the education. And they gave me a ticket to your expo in Houston years and well, over 10 years ago. And I went and it seemed logical. And I joined. And I think the other thing was I saw a lot of people that didn't have experience originally that had done pretty well, you know, doing doing different, you know, homes or apartments or whatever. And so I kind of got into your group because it was transaction oriented. I mean, yeah, you're an education company, but you take that education and you do something with it that makes you money. All right, let's talk about how you came out of the blocks then, and let's talk about your passive investment theories. Now, by the way, for those listening, he's not only done passive, you've also been a lead investor slash syndicator yourself, have you not? Yeah, I've done two lead deals. The first one, my passives made 445% profit after getting their money back, and the second one, they made 151%. That's a pretty, those are pretty good numbers to, for anybody, so those are great. Let's talk about them before we get that deep into that because that's going to be a good discussion. Let's go back to when you first started as a passive. What was your theory and how did you align yourself getting into these deals? Because I knew you moved very quickly. Well, I mean, so so the one thing that I, that I think I figured out really quickly was I'm not really in the apartment business. I'm in the partner business, okay? And apartments are just a vehicle by which I'm in these partnerships. So it's kind of a bad story in a way that my first deal I invested in, I lost money. And uh, I realized that there wasn't a problem with the apartment. I was aligned with the wrong partner. Now, of course, my wife thought, well, my God, I knew this was terrible. We shouldn't be in here. Luckily, I analyzed the problem well because my next deal, like I said, I made my partners over 445%. And I invested in a guy named Bob DeLong, who's one of your big you know, customers. And he made me 363% in 33 months. So imagine if I'd have said, oh, I lost money on my first deal. This is terrible. I never did another deal. I would have left millions of dollars on the table. Wow, that's amazing. That's a great story. Uh, So um, the wife you're speaking about, is that Dawn, current wife? That's Dawn, yes. All right. So she, she had to come along from the beginning here. Yeah, she was more skeptical. She was always one that's more skeptical. I mean, now she's not skeptical. She's not much involved, but she enjoys the cash flow and everything. <laughs> I know. I can relate to that one, right? Don't tell me about it. Just give me a purse, something. Yeah, in the beginning, I mean, I'll tell you a good story. The fourth deal we invested in, 
right after we closed, but it was one another one of Bob's along the deal. We go up to Austin, and she looks at this property, and it's a C-class property that needs a lot of work. And she goes, oh, my God, we didn't really invest in this dump, did we? I said, honey, we didn't invest enough in this dump because, you know, I had a deal on something else that didn't close on time. And she goes, you told me we have over $100,000 in this deal. I said, that's right, and 250 would have been the right number if I had it. That deal made 317% in five and a quarter years being a passive. Wow. Those are, those, that's music to my ears, Greg, music to my ears. So as you got into this, what made you decide to become a lead investor yourself as opposed to just continuing your investing as a passive investor? So the, the part of the reason was I once left Shell, and I was a highly rated guy in Shell, really young, and thought I knew everything about service stations, and then I owned a couple. And I made good money, but I realized how much I didn't know. And so I said, you know what, I'm not going to ever really be much of a lead, but I'm just going to buy this little 32-unit apartment complex, own about 40% of it, and really understand the business from the inside because I want to deploy millions of dollars as a passive, and so I want to be a better passive investor because I understand the inside of the business. The problem was this was such a good property that I, I was, my plan was to sell it after a year and a half. I ended up keeping it seven years. Uh, year, beginning of year four, we refinanced it and gave all the passives 183.95% of their money back. And the same year, we gave them another 23% in operating income. So then, my, then Bob DeLong sold his first deal, and I was an investor in it, and that was a couple miles away. And I said, well, I don't really want to be a lead investor, but this is a pretty good property. So I bought it. And so that's how I became a lead twice. And what did you find from doing that? I mean, obviously, operating businesses is something you've done your whole life. How did you um, feel about operating these really small businesses? I mean, I, I'll tell you a, a funny story. John Ridgway, we call him Johnny Lama, if you remember him from 10 years ago. Yeah. John, John came here as the executive vice president of the second largest property management company in the country. And we went into business together, and he started running our property management company. And he called me up one day. And he says, "I don't know what to do." I go, "What do you mean you don't know what to do? You've run the, you know, you've run this your whole life. This is what you do." He goes, "Yeah, but I always had people." Right. <laughs> you know, and that's the deal when you're up in a big company like that. You don't do this stuff, and you know you have people. And so now you decided that you were going to find out what the people really did. What did you find? I mean, it's a different world out there than what I was used to. I mean, you know, I was, you know, you're around people that are much like you as opposed to, you know, we used to say, hey, some of these people are just one flat tire away from, you know, bankruptcy or whatever. But there's a lot of good people out there. And if, you know, if you exercise the model and you build a decent product and you take care of things and you, you know, do the maintenance that needs to be done and the capital investment, you can build a lot of loyalty. And, and create some longer-term customers, and and that's what we that's what I did. And you know, I ex- I expect that you know I may go back and be a lead again, and it'll be a much larger property. I think today I'm more focused on better assets at a decent price, you know, because I think there'll be some price reduction. But I'm not interested in the stuff that I made most of my money on anymore. Maybe it's because I'm almost 66 and I'm older and maybe a little less tolerant. But the model works well. And 
I think going forward, I'm more interested in longer-term durable cash flow assets because I look at my houses, and I've never sold any of my houses. And I've refinanced them, and I've sucked money out, and they still make lots of money. And I'm saying, hey, maybe I should take that same approach to an apartment complex. Buy a better asset, keep it longer, and just make a lot of money out of it. Well, welcome to the world of Del Wamsley. <laughs> just figured out what I've done for 33 years. When everybody else was buying, selling, buying, selling, buying, selling, I have pretty much am a long-term hold for just about everything. Although, we get back from this break, I do want to just chit-chat for a second about this. I didn't even notice that you did 12 houses in a duplex, so that'd be interesting. We'll take a short break. We'll be right back with Greg Shockey and the Del Wamsley Radio Show. lifestyle you really want. Keep listening. The Dell Wamsley Radio Show returns in moments. Want to continue the conversation inside the community? Follow Lifestyles Unlimited on Facebook. Stay up to date on upcoming events, market trends, member stories, featured podcasts, real estate wisdom, and more. You can even join us a couple of times a month as we go live with our case study events right on Facebook from the comfort of your home. Get online and get in the know. Turn listening on the radio into participating in the community. Like and follow Lifestyles Unlimited on Facebook today. You're hearing the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Want more life-changing knowledge? Access our podcast and listen on demand at lifestylesunlimited.com under the radio tab. Now your host, Dell Wamsley. Welcome back to Del Wamsley Radio Show. With me here today on Tell Del Tuesday is Greg Shockey out of uh, San Antonio area. And uh, Greg has done over 40 apartment complex deals over the last 10 years and has had very, very high rates of return on all these deals. Probably higher than the average. I would, nah, no, I don't think so. I guess you have had a couple of those in there that were less than the high average. So you've, you've, you've got a pretty good cross section. What I wanted to ask you though when we came when we were going to break was I just noticed you had mentioned uh, and I really didn't pay attention to the fact you have twelve houses and a duplex. Where did those squeeze in at and what was the incentive for those? So when I started there wasn't I couldn't get into any apartment deals at the time. So I bought one house and it's kind of a cool story. So I buy this house, I rent it out Guy pays the rent for a couple months. I did it every all the ways you said to do it. Actually, a Lifestyles realtor sold it to me. I'm in California visiting my dad, and the guy skips. Well, his sister comes in and cleans the place. I had it rented two days after I got back. I actually made a profit on the skip. I said, this is a pretty good little business. So while I was waiting to find apartment deals, I went out and bought three more houses. And I've kept those houses. And then I, when I, right before I got married, I, my wife inherited a little bit of money, so I let her invest in a duplex, and she goes, this place is a dump. I said, yes, but we're going to make a lot of money here. It's probably the least it's, – it's a decent area, but it's not the, as good as my other places. And we bought it for cash, and I told her, but we're not going to own it for cash. We're just buying it for cash to close the deal, and eventually we'll put a loan on it. 
And then I did a deal with my daughter to try to get her interested in real estate. So I bought a rent house. I bought it from another member, and I have that house. The best one, so those houses I probably pulled close to 175% or to 200% of my money out through various refinancings. I have probably three or four X the equity that I had when I bought them, and they've made money every month for almost 10 years now. It'll be 10 years. The first house I bought August 30th of 2013. Now, the best deal I have is I'm in partners with Trish and Chris, two members from San Antonio that now live in Savannah, and we have five houses together. I've never even seen those houses. I put up all the money. I've got all the money out of those houses, plus we have plenty of money, plus we're making money, plus we have a lot of equity. So that's my favorite house deal because I don't do anything. (laughs) As, As one of my old mentors once taught me, He said, I was a young guy, and I didn't really understand at the time. He said, you know, Greg, I'm always willing to make the next million dollars as long as I personally don't do much work. So most of my life, I could never figure out how to do that until I got into lifestyles. Yeah. I'm going to ask you a social question right now. Just this is it. See what comes out of your your mind from this one, because it's it's not something that was set up to ask ever. I've been with you many, many times on stage. But uh, just I was thinking about it as you were talking about these houses. Think of the perfect business models out there. And you think about gasoline. People have to have it. Food. People have to have it. Cell phones. People won't live without it. And housing. And you think about you buy this asset, it goes up in value the rest of your life. People pay the mortgage off for you. You get tax-free income from it. Um, You can buy it almost nothing down if you do it correctly, if you really worked at it to make that happen. Um, Socially, think of the products that you've been associating in your life, really the gasoline is what I'm thinking of. But you think about that socially, a product that you put a person in, they don't want to leave. You know, you guy's got a cell phone. He doesn't want to give up his number. A guy's got a house he lives in. He doesn't want to leave. He doesn't want to move, doesn't want to take his kids out of school. What's your thoughts on that as far as the availability to products that are just sticky? People can't get away from them. Well, I mean, I mean, that's the advantage of single family homes. And, and I'm always a guy that likes to project forward and measure backwards. And so as things got tougher with interest rates going up, I said to myself, what product is going to go down the least and come back the fastest. Single family home. And look what's happened to single family homes. Interest rates have doubled, okay? My houses in Georgia never went down. They flatlined and then went back, started going back up again a few months ago. My houses in San Antonio went down a little. I expected them to keep going down. The last three months, they're going back up. They're not quite back to peak value, but they're close. But here's the wonderful thing. Nobody has moved out of any of these houses in the last four-plus years. I have one resident that's been with me nine years, okay? And, like, people laugh that sometimes I just do something in the house because someone's been there for a while. It's like, hey, I'd rather do something for them when I'm still collecting rent than when I have to do it anyway when they move out and I have to – it's just going to be more turn cost. And I said, so the fact that people stay in these things for such a long time makes them a great asset, you know? And like, hey, right now, obviously, I'm not refinancing any of my houses. Actually, the last four houses that I owned in Georgia, my mom wrote two of the mortgages because she said, hey, seven and a quarter percent from you and another 
you know, high net worth real estate investor on some good houses. And then she looked at me and she goes, you should take two also. And I did. <laughs> like, hey, seven, like, I hated that, you know, other than to borrow money when money was free. But now that money costs money, I like renting some of my money out. No doubt. No doubt. In fact, when I first started in the business, Greg, renting money out was the only way people really ever wanted. Wealthy people wanted to be involved with it. They wanted to be the mortgage. And so yeah. there was all kinds of owner finance things out there, you know, classes. Dave Dodato, Robert Allen, Jeff McCone, Tommy Vu, the Milans. All those guys talked about buying something and wrapping it with a, a personal note and taking back payments for the rest of their life, yet not owning it, which I defunct a bunch of those theories. But the reality is you're right. These, You know, I found my average tenant for a house was eight years. And what I found or what I thought, I rationalized that to be, was that was the high school, the middle school, high school cycle. You know, your kids get in there and they get into a school district and they grew up with their friends and about eight years with the school before anybody wants to move and break that school cycle for their kids is what I figured it was. Maybe wrong, but just I think also with a house, unlike an apartment, people have so much in their house that they to move, they lose half of what they own. They can't find a place to put it, and they'd have to move it. So it is very sticky. I like that. And now it's really tough because I had a resident that I helped get approved for a mortgage, and they called me up and said, hey, we're, we're not going to do it. We need another lease. And I'm like, you know, I'm not selling you my house, you know. And they said, yeah, but that's what we want to do. Well, that was when interest rates were three. Now that they're seven and a quarter, you think these people are moving out anytime soon? No. Yeah, no doubt. They're They're there. Well, those are those are all interesting points. So, you, what I like about your story here, and I'm I'm trying to share it for people out there, you really can come at this from any any position. You came at it from single family housing, you came at it from a duplex, you came at it from small apartment complex, you've come at it from large apartment complexes, you've come at it as a lead, being the syndicator yourself, and you've come at it as a passive, and you've done it in all manners. And they've all worked. I guess I could make more money, but I'm enjoying my life. I'm I'm be 66 in less than two weeks. I just got back from Carmel and Napa and Half Moon Bay at the Ritz Carlton, you know, for almost two weeks. So I've made a lot of money, but I've also spent a fair amount of money and really enjoyed my life. Well, having said that, let's talk about that segment of your life. And by the way, I don't think I've ever seen someone's resume that says skills, vacationing, wine drinking, and investing. <laughs> well, those are the three things I really like. <laughs> and when you it's have enough be money, a, you can do it. I mean, in 33 years, I've just never seen anybody claim those three as their skill set. But yeah, that works. So I've already let's, planned all my vacations out through next July. Do you have them on a spreadsheet? I'm just curious. Yep, I do. <laughs> I run my life on a spreadsheet. Yeah, I've seen some of those spreadsheets. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have. And, uh, they're, I mean, they're and we're, we're buying, you know, everybody talks about how tough the business is, but I invested in one phenomenally good multifamily deal that closed the end of March, and I'm investing a lot of money in another one that closes you know, here in about six weeks as a passive. I mean, I helped do the deal, but, you know, there's still stuff out there. It's harder to find. You have to work harder, but there's still stuff out there. 
Well, we're going to come back to that because I do want to touch that uh, at the very end. But I wanted to, while we're on this thing, we went to break and you had mentioned that um, you had gone to some other club and the people you were probably education-wise or intellectually-wise, they're senior. And yet you came here and what did you find here? There are some really sharp people. I've invested in both of your mentors before they were ever mentors because they were great operators. And there's, you know, there's some large syndicators. And I mean, I'm fortunate. I think I was a little bit lucky in that I joined in San Antonio where you had an office and where there were some really good leads. And so I've learned a lot from those people. I mean, I try to help them, but they've helped me a lot, too. And, and so that's another thing. I think the collaborative atmosphere means it, it amplifies your ability to make money. Okay, because you can learn quickly when you're wrong. I think one problem most people have is when they're wrong, they have trouble admitting it. I think one of my skills as an investor is I'm a pretty good investor, but I'm not infallible. And people showing me when I'm wrong quickly enables me to course correct and and achieve minimal damage from those mistakes. Excellent. So now let's uh, let's go to what I've been seeing the last couple of weeks. You you threw it out there almost like a uh, a test balloon <laughs> see if it blows up in your face or not but uh last weekend i went to three properties were going into foreclosure and all three of them were going into foreclosure not because they were distressed properties like the stuff we were buying in the 80s or 2008 i'm sorry uh yep. 2009 10 you know just like you talk about the the stuff you were buying in 2013 um this stuff was nice class A properties that people are losing because they bought them 10% higher than what they were worth with uh, adjustable rate mortgages where the interest rates adjusted against them with interest only mortgages to where they they really had very little debt coverage and the financing and the purchase price and the fact that they just greeted their way into a deal because they wanted a deal so bad uh, because they made more money on the fees than the deal, these deals are now coming to roost. And I saw a $50 million property the other day, Greg. Uh, the, one of the gurus on the Internet is losing right now into foreclosure, and the note is only $30 bucks. So when you said a few minutes earlier, have you started to realize that this is where we're headed right now? I mean, I think it's the thing that provides the incentive for me to become a lead again is that, you know, I can buy a higher quality, larger asset. And I, I don't, I'm not looking for just – I don't think there's going to be super discounts, but I think the values are going to be good. I think the cash-on-cash cash returns will be better than the last couple years. And it hasn't unfolded as quickly as I thought it would. But, you know, these variable loans are going to crush people. And, and the thing for me that made it easy to avoid them was they were doing these variable loans with a flat yield curve and cheap insurance to make 4 or 5% cash on cash. Now, if they'd have said, hey, we're going to make 10 or 12% cash on cash, I might have rolled the dice on a couple of those deals, but not for 4 or 5%. So it's like if everything goes perfect in those deals, you don't make much. And if anything goes wrong, you get flattened. Guess what? People are getting flattened right now. So I think that's where the opportunity is going to be. But I don't think the things are going to be 50 cents or 60 cents on the dollar. But I think we could see prices 10 or 15 percent lower on quality assets. We're already seeing that, Greg. That's already happening. We've already seen that, but I'm saying more, a little bit more. 
Yeah, I think what's going to happen is this thing starts to compound because the more people that it happens to, the less people are out there able to buy them out of those problems, uh, the more downward pressure there is on these deals to get done. So, hey, thanks for coming on again, Greg. I know you've been on many times, and uh, thanks for going to Hawaii with me, as if that was a problem. But everybody out there, remember this. Greg's not doing this for some more money. He's doing it for the lifestyle. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you tomorrow. Listening to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Want more of Dell's unconventional wisdom? Go to lifestylesunlimited.com and click the radio tab. Listen to past shows, hear podcasts on demand, and find out how you can change your life today. The Dell Wamsley Radio Show is part of the Lifestyles Unlimited Radio Network. The information and opinions you hear on the Del Wamsley Radio Show are those of the host, Del Wamsley, his guests, and his callers, and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of this station, its affiliates, its management, or advertisers. The Del Wamsley Show is for entertainment purposes only. Please consult a professional regarding your personal investment needs. Nothing presented on the Del Wamsley Show constitutes an endorsement, recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or security.